This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Ngunnawal people. We pay our respects to elders past and present. This land always was and always will be, and our sovereignty was never ceded. Welcome to Reconciliation Roadmap, the podcast where we navigate the path to building better businesses through reconciliation. I'm your host, Holly Ferling. And I'm Dixie Crawford, a proud Barkindji woman living on Ngunnawal country. I am your guide to developing and implementing Reconciliation Action Plan. With years of experience as a RAP consultant, I'll bring you the insights and perspectives that really do matter. Think of us as your go-to RAP resource in your pocket, tackling all the questions that you've had. This isn't just a conversation. It's an actionable roadmap for your business towards positive change. Dix, there's so much talk around reconciliation and reconciliation action plans. And I mean, I think we see and hear it so much in the community, but also particularly when it comes to organizations. And I think it feeds exactly what we were talking about in the last episode where there's so much information or it feels like it's popping up everywhere, but that can lead to even more confusion. So I want to hear straight from the horse's mouth, what is a reconciliation action plan? Oh, the horse's mouth. I love being called a horse. Like, just call me a file app. Um, okay, what is a reconciliation action plan? So, a RAP is a strategic document. Well, first of all, RAP stands for Reconciliation Action Plan, which I think most people that work in diversity and inclusion or First Nations Affairs understand the concept or are familiar with the word RAP. So, yeah, it stands for Reconciliation Action Plan, and it's a strategic document that's embedded or implemented within organizations, whether or not you are a commercial corporation or an NGO or a government agency, whether or not you're a small business or a large business, the purpose of a RAP is to build and strengthen relationships with First Nations communities, but also to advocate for and create better opportunities for First Nations people in this country and also to make a greater connection between recognising what First Nations people's lived experiences are from a social and political perspective. This is my version of events around what I see it as being a potential or the potential and also the impact. So there are four levels to the wrap, which we can go into a little bit more detail down the track, but there's reflect, innovate, stretch and elevate. And the framework can last in your organization for has for however long it is relevant in the business. But most people start wraps and a lot of organizations don't finish them, but a lot of organizations will start a wrap and will continue to have it ongoing in the business and then not be an actual end date because we know that there is so much more work that needs to always be done in order to elevate the voices of First Nations people and lived experiences. So why are they important in the context of reconciliation? Yeah, so I think That's a really important conversation. I think in order to understand why it is that we need to have better relationships or understand the process of reconciliation and the relevance within an organisation is that we probably just need to look at the pillars, right, to start with. The pillars of a reconciliation action plan are respect, relationships, opportunities and governance. So relationships is about building relationships and making connections with First Nations communities, cultures, histories, and having a good understanding. Relationships is about actually doing the work and going out and listening and having empathy and taking on board the lived experiences and also understanding what role you play as 
a potential leader within a business to elevate the voices of First Nations people. So our stories are being told, but also our voices are being listened to in the design and the delivery of projects or programs that can actually make change in our communities. Respect is about understanding what our cultures and our histories look like. And when, when most organizations, as a result, as a deliverable within, within a RAP, will need to do some form of cultural awareness training. And for me, it's particularly important that you develop an understanding of First Nations cultures, right? And it's very different. It's very diverse. Like my culture and our processes and our protocols that occur in Broken Hill on Barkindji country and where it is that I come from and who my, you know, my song lines and our histories is very different to what it might be like on, you know, on Darug country out in Western Sydney. So having that respect and understanding is really important to recognise how you have to turn up in communities and how we have to care and protect country and also how it is that we preserve culture and languages. But it's also important that you understand the social and political and historical factors that continue to have an impact on the contemporary lived experiences of First Nations people in this country. And going to cultural awareness training, you have to make sure you are engaging with a provider or with communities that can give you both of those perspectives and enable you to develop your skill set and your confidence to be able to navigate critical conversations around racism and reconciliation if you want your rap to have an impact in your organisation to create change in First Nations communities for the better. And the third thing is opportunities, so looking at employment and education and economic opportunities to create changes in terms of people having access to um, self-determination and people having access to some of the opportunities that are just, you know, a bit of a privilege in the rest of the country for some community members. And then the final point around governance is about how do we do this the right way and how do we hold ourselves accountable? How do we monitor our progress? How do we make sure that we have good, strong connections with communities and community-controlled organisations or First Nations commercial organisations to also, to make sure that we're doing the right thing? A lot of organisations love to talk about having a wrap. A lot of organisations do not love being critically critiqued about their processes and their state of play when it comes to implementation of the document because people cut corners and when you cut corners you get found out and my advice to you is don't muck around because you might find out. Absolutely. I mean there's so much within all of that and uh, I guess there's so much detail within a wrap. You've spoken about it being a document. I'd love to know and you've just detailed all the pillars. What's actually within the document? Like is it a checklist? Is it instructions on what to do like can you break it down even further and let us know if, if I was to receive a wrap today what would it look like well hopefully a beautiful design document which is by the way something that we do over at Naganja um, but also a meaningful <laughs> document that talks about the core business of your organization and what you have the focus and commitment to to doing with First Nations communities right so so there's a template, right, that you get from Reconciliation Australia. And at the back of every single document, there is a table. And from left to right, it'll say actions and it will say pillar. It'll say actions and then it'll say deliverables, time frame and responsibility. So the pillar being respect or relationships or opportunities or governance. The action might be how do we increase the cultural capability of our workforce, right? And the deliverables might be something along the lines of, offer cultural awareness training to our workforce 
Another deliverable might be create cultural immersion experiences for our workforce. Another opportunity might be create a book club or, you know, encourage our staff to go to community events or invite people in to run a lunch and learn or ensure that every guest panel that we have around International Women's Day or whatever, right, has a First Nations perspective applied to it, right? So there is the the action and there are lots of different ways that you can deliver on the action. So the template gives you a guide, I guess, guess some examples about how you might do that. What I will say to organisations and people leaders is to make sure you don't bite off more than what you can chew, but also don't let yourself off the hook, right? If you look at a deliverable and go, we can do that, and that seems really easy for you, then stretch yourself as a business, right? Because what we are trying to do is really build the people potential within your organization to have really critical conversations around racism. Because your job is not to actually go out and scream from the rooftops and be like, we're an ally and we're all about championing change in First Nations communities. In the first one to two levels being reflect and innovate it's your job to build your confidence and your capability and your education to understand what first nations lived experiences are so you can actually do the work and you can be an effective and efficient leader that has an impact on the work that needs to be done and so there is a timeline section that sits there that says you know you have to do this whenever you know within this particular time frame that you set for yourself you decide when that is as an organization so make sure that you look at the landscape within your business are we about to go through a restructure are we about to you know downsize our workforce are we doing a merger with another organization whatever it might be right like look at the the landscape of your business and what you've got coming up and be really smart and strategic about knowing what you can do with the resources that you've got available, but also whatever changes might, you know, you might need to anticipate within the business. Because if you don't do that, if you publicly commit to delivery of something within a particular time frame and you don't, that becomes problematic for you. And the final section is about the the responsibility, right? So who is responsible in terms of knowing that we have implemented and delivered on the action items within the wrap? who will say, yes, we've done it or no, we didn't, right? And so there is a responsibility element there for that. That sits in the template. Amazing. Oh, well, you used the word stretch before, and I know that is one of the different levels within a wrap. How about we chat a little bit more about those levels? What are they? And I know you mentioned that sometimes things can take time before you can progress. So, yeah, is it time that that then allows a business to progress or is there certain steps or actions that need to be seen or ticked off in order for that to happen? Yeah. So the first one reflect. So I I really only kind of bounce around in the first two levels, which is reflect and innovate because I know what I'm good at, right? And what I'm good at is asking the right questions and building the capacity of your people leaders to enable change. So the first reflect it will go for 12 months and it's really about building the capacity of your organization, right? It's probably you would describe it as being wrap readiness, right? And so you would do things around creating opportunities around cultural awareness training. You would, you know, go to conferences or make connections with First Nations communities. You would actively participate in Reconciliation Week or NAIDOC Week or National Close the Gap Day, whatever it might be. You might build a procurement policy or plan around procuring services from First Nations organizations in the country and businesses. Reflect is really about becoming familiar with the concept, the purpose, and the potential of your organization from an impact perspective with reconciliation. 
innovate is when the, the rubber kind of hit, hits the road. And I guess that's for all three from this point on, right? Innovate, stretch, and elevate. And so it gets a bit more rigorous as you get to the end of the, the framework being um, elevate because at that point you've really got to start stretching yourself and looking at what are the really big ticket items here that push us, you know, outside of our comfort zone, but also are reflective of what we could we can do from a from an impact perspective and what resources we have available to us. Because it's not easy to get to elevate, if I'm to be honest. It's not just about a time frame element. Anyone can, you know, well not anyone can move past reflect, but it's not necessarily that difficult to move past reflect into innovate it gets a bit more rigorous to move from innovate into stretch and definitely from stretch into elevate so organizations really need to be prepared and those timelines for each of the for innovate stretch and elevate are a bit longer because people culture change takes time within businesses right and we have to build our capacity and we have to keep chipping away at sometimes the things that are really really hard for businesses to comprehend but also to get moving with and um yeah i've been in some of those conversations where it's tricky so i get that but and i think that's why it takes a little bit of time because um because it does take time to enable change in businesses i just had a question come into my head how much does it change like we see within workplaces as well like personnel turnover happens how much does that influence or the rollout of of the rap say someone that's been quite integral or whether it is a leader or just even someone that's a, a massive ally within the organization has been a real driving force behind it how does that then play into how a, a rap kind of evolves or, or even where you actually sit within those levels yeah, it's a really important question, Holly, and it's also a question that will resonate with a lot of people because, unfortunately, a rap is driven usually by one or two people who are passionate and committed to it, and it's in addition to their core business, right, to what the core of their position description is. And particularly when you are sitting at Reflect and Innovate, it's kind of additional work, right? No one employs you to be the rap leader because it does take time and effort and a lot of resources to implement a rap as you move from innovate through down to elevate. But organizations make the mistake of putting all of the responsibility on the one or two people that have one, the confidence to do it, that have the personal interest and passion about it. They have the curiosity around learning. And guess what? Sometimes those people leave your businesses and then you are left high and dry. And that's not a one-off kind of thing. That is a consistent pattern that will occur in businesses across the board, whether or not you're a healthcare organization or a mining company to a telco, it doesn't matter. Staff attrition is tricky in any place. And when you start looking at diversity and inclusion, diversity and inclusion staff tend and workforces tend to get burned out pretty quickly because if businesses aren't prepared to change and aren't prepared to move, you can feel pretty resentful and as though your work is not valued. And I get that, right? And so people just kind of go, oh, well, stuff it. I'm not hanging around here. I'm going to go somewhere else where I feel like my work is being valued. So the staff attrition issue is always a barrier and it's always a limitation. And it's something that organizations need to be prepared for and be willing and ready to enable a lot of other people in your organization to one, develop their insight and their knowledge from an education point of view, but also for you to create opportunities for them to actively get involved in the RAP 
if people want to get actively involved in the RAP and it's in addition to their current workload, be smart about how you can allocate other tasks that that person might have within the business so it frees them up to be able to do some of the work around reconciliation because it's hard enough having conversations with people that just don't get the RAP work and the RAP potential. It's hard enough having conversations with people who are blatantly racist and just stupid, right? So create opportunities for people. You can leverage people's passion and their drive by making it easier for them to do it. But the harder you make it, the more resentful people become and the less, you know, less interested they become in actually doing the work because they're not necessarily being supported. So there's significant implications within a business if you don't support your people in the right way to do the, the implementation of the RAP properly. So you're just talking there about different roles within an organization. I'm would love to know then, and you've you've referred to it a number of times throughout this episode, what are some of the roles of First Nations communities within an organisation's RAP? Yeah, it's actually a bit of a, it's, it's critical. First of all, don't have a RAP without any connection to First Nations people. If no one's told you this, it's a problem, okay? So you can't have a conversation without us. You can't have a conversation about us without us right? So it's critical. I had earlier this year, I was, you know, pitching to an organization about developing their rap and they had a first nation, sorry, they had, I think it was called, yeah, it was a first nations healthcare group within their organization. They did not have any first nations people employed in the organization. They did not have any first nations organizations that they had commercial partnerships with, or even volunteering partnerships with. Yet they had a First Nations healthcare, yeah, I can't think it was healthcare organization. I can't remember, but I remember having this conversation about where is there's a gap here in cultural knowledge and lived experience to inform the development and implementation of your strategic direction. And if you don't have our voices heard, if we're not seen, if we're not listened to and we're not, and our advice is not taken, how will you know what you're doing? How will you know that this work is impactful? How do you know that this work is relevant to what our needs and aspirations currently are? How do you know? Like you just can't, right? Like you can't just be like, oh, I listened to Thelma Plum so I know about black followers. It doesn't work like that. By the way, we love <laughs> Thelma, right? But you can't listen to a podcast or read a book or watch The Point. You have to consistently make relationships and build your understanding and always be open to obtaining different ideas, right? alternative ideas and new perspectives. This is the beauty of the world that we live in, right? I have so many different friends and community members that I'm connected to, organizations that I'm a part of, diverse group of clients, because I always want to understand the world around me, the world that I'm connected to. But you cannot have a reconciliation action plan or a working a wrap working group. You definitely cannot call yourself a First Nations working group without First Nations people in it because we add so much value and we have to add value to this. There's also significant reputational risk to you if you do things like that, right? If you have a RAP working group or you have a RAP and you have no First Nations people being a part of your business, one that say come and work with us or we do deadly work here or, you know, the woman that works in procurement or the man that works in procurement, they're deadly. If mob aren't vouching for you as being a real ally and being a real champion for change, yet you are sitting 
you, you intend to move through the reconciliation action plan framework, then you have a problem. You really do have a problem. You need us and we need you, right? We need you to work with us and we want to work with you. But if you don't take our advice because we're not at the table, then you're going to have a problem in terms of the effectiveness and the impact of your app. And also you will get heavily criticized if you are moving along doing this work and you've got no First Nations people um, there. So we may not say things directly to you, but I, I guarantee we will say things to each other about you and how it is that you're turning up and whether or not we believe that you are just doing the rap for the economic value of a rap, which is one of the things we'll get into down the track. Holly, I think it's important that we talk about organizations that do develop and implement wraps purely because of the economic value that does come from having a wrap because of tendering processes and things like that it's a very complex discussion and we do need to dive into it but we will know um, as mob whether or not you're fair dinkum or whether or not you're gammon or you're just caught up in the visibility and vanity metrics of allyship yeah that representation to me it's it's a no-brainer right like as soon as you're dealing with something that's, again, not your zone of genius or not within your wheelhouse, then as you would with your business, you're outsourcing. But how often is it that you see, like, was that a one-off that you saw that in a business like that, that had a First Nations working group or is it common? It's very common, unfortunately. And I find it really interesting, right? Thankfully, I have the luxury to pick and choose who it is that I will and won't work with. But I find it very interesting that people get very offended when I critique that and say, well, why don't you have black people working with you? To You know, I don't do it to be rude or to be disrespectful. I do it to make you to ask the questions because at the end of the day, these documents will play a significant role in the thinking and the leadership of your business and where you allocate resources and the quality of the work that you deliver, which potentially have an impact on my people, right? Good or bad or different, whatever, right? So if you don't have the representation of us, how do you know what you're doing and in terms of what the impact's going to be? So it's if you don't critique that, right, if you don't open yourself up to feedback, how will you ever know that you're going to be better? or that you can do things differently. And this is why the representation and our voices are really critical at this point, particularly, again, as you move on. You might be able to get away with that in Reflect, if I'm to be honest, but RA will ask you about representation, Reconciliation Australia will ask you about your representation around working groups, around employment, around communities that you're connected to, about community organisations. So you are going to eventually have to demonstrate that why not just get ahead of it, right? Because, again, you, you might be fine with that and reflect, but 12 months does go very quickly. But also it takes time to build relationships with First Nations peoples and communities because everyone, unfortunately, wants a piece of us all the time. And so communities are very weary, particularly post-referendum, if I'm to be honest. Mob and communities are going to be very, very wary of the intention of government agencies, corporations and organisations turning up and we will definitely, I'm, I'm seeing this now, right, I'm seeing people saying, well, what is it that you want to do? What is the purpose of this? What's the impact? What are the outcomes here? What are your benefits for doing this work and what changes will you be held accountable for uh, that you are committed to and that you are going to be responsible for in our community? So it's the state of play, I think, really around the implementation of RAPS is going to change and 
post-referendum, I think it's going to, you know, hit 50 gear if I'm to be honest. Yeah, it's a very interesting position that Communities Australia is in at the moment. And uh, I guess my last question kind of ties in really nicely here. If you could be bold and predict the future, what impact can RAPS have on organisations and Australia in general? How far can we move towards reconciliation? From my perspective, RAPS are already having an impact and I definitely appreciate and value people's current perspective around RAPS not working and reconciliation being dead. I get it. I understand where people are coming from. I can only speak about this from the conversations that I have in the rooms that I'm in and the relationships that I'm building with clients and with organisations that I'm connected to. RAPs do have a potential and they are having an impact and it's only going to improve from my perspective if we become a bit more rigorous, if we become a bit more intentional. And I think the outcome of the referendum will play a critical role in that because what was really clear to us is that people do want to see things changed in this country around the lived experiences of Aboriginal people, right? We want better education, employment, housing, health outcomes. It's That's very clear that there are over 5 million people that are, that are driven and that are committed to that. So I think RAPs do have a critical role to play from a perspective of education. But I think moving forward, what I would really love is there to be more ongoing commitment to building relationships and people getting out of their offices and connecting with community on a human level, right? Like building relationships and, you know, inviting, you know, mob over to your house for a barbecue or, you know, like, I, I mean, I, rem- I remember it's really funny, you know, I was, I was kind of unlocked a core memory here, but um, and probably releasing a bit of trauma. My whole time in high school, I went to one birthday party, right? So over a five-year period, I went to one birthday party with a white kid. That was it. Like I had – and I had a lot of white friends in high school, but I only had, I was only ever invited to one birthday party. And to be honest, I think I was only invited to that party because I said to Rebecca, how come you guys never invite me to your parties? And then all of a sudden I got an invitation, which was great, you know, because it was a cool party and mum made this amazing pasta. Um, but <laughs> I, I just hope that we can see each other, like that we humanize connection, that, that there's empathy and there's respect and there's understanding and there's a commitment to compassion and, that at the end of the day, even though we see differences, we recognise that those differences are very similar, right? We all want to be happy. We all want to be healthy. We all want, want to contribute to something in community. We want to come home to our families and to be loved and celebrated. And we want to, you know, go to athletics and scream for our children who have come seventh out of the seven kids that are running, right? Like we we have a <laughs> lot more in common than what it is that we think. And I hope that RAPs continue to build on those differences and cr- create stronger connections for us as humans that all share this beautiful country that we live in. That's a beautiful, beautiful vision that you've got there, Dixie, and I have no doubt the work that you're doing, it continues to, to drive you forward. This has been a, a really, I think, a very important foundational episode just to get the basics down pat and really set the scene for all some of the the deeper stuff that we're going to go into later in the season, whether it's overcoming opportunities and challenges and, and some of the other nitty-gritty parts to what maybe prevents a business from really getting 
themselves, getting their hands dirty and, and really getting stuck into this work. So thanks again, Dixie, for your time. Thank you. Let's do this. Thank you for tuning in to Reconciliation Roadmap. If the insights shared today resonate with you in your business, remember, I'm here to guide you further. Connect with me on LinkedIn or feel free to reach out to my business with Onion so I can help you take your next steps towards a more inclusive and connected future. You can find me at naganyu.com.au or head to the show notes.